Hello, and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins, and I'm super excited to be here with Dr. Frederick Graves. We've had uh, one interview before on this channel, and I've been very deep into his work. If you're not familiar, Dr. Graves is a lawyer, also an author, musician, uh, photographer, and creator of the very popular Jurisdictionary course. Uh, and uh, so I'm super excited. Today we are going to focus on the work that he's written about in one of his books that is available on his website, by the way, Dr. Graves, or pardon me, FrederickGraves.com. And uh, it, it's called The Gospel Mystery Hidden from the Ages. And when I heard, Dr. Graves, that you were so deep into the mystery of the gospel, I knew it was a kind of home run for me because this is what I'm always trying to do these days is to see how law and the Bible coincide and, and the deep hidden meanings and direction that the Bible gives us, especially right now. It's getting more interesting by the day, I have to say. So welcome, Dr. Graves. So good to have you here. Thank you to be here. Thank you. Totally, totally my pleasure. So uh, where would you like to dive in? What was it that originally, how did, how did you come to this work? Were you born and raised in the Christian faith? Was it something that you came across on your own? You mentioned uh, just a couple of minutes before we got on that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. How did it all begin oh, okay. for you? All right. Well, it's a long story. I'm okay with that. <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a little boy, I grew up in a very small town. My grandparents went to a Presbyterian church. And in that Presbyterian church, there was a stained glass window with this fellow walking on a, a like a stony little road. And there was a couple of ladies that were kneeling down as he was standing there. It wasn't, of course, he wasn't walking the stained glass windows, a still picture. But there he was, and he had nails, nail holes in his hands and feet. And I thought that was very strange. You know, I'd never seen anybody with nail holes in their hands and feet. And I never got over it. And I hope a lot of other people who see that never get over it. Uh, strangely, I was in Jamaica uh, on a mission trip, probably, oh gosh, now 30 years ago, in an Episcopal church. Uh, I found the same stained glass window. But that's where it all began, this fascination and my love for this person who had gone through this this horror. And, uh, and later on, I did everything that young people do. I made all the mistakes that probably, I don't know, maybe you haven't made any, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I didn't. No, of course not. <laughs> and... Uh, so years and years later, I, my mother passed away, and there was a Mother's Day at a church that baptizes by immersion. And we don't do that in the Presbyterian church. My grandfather's church, they did do that. Of course, he went to the Presbyterian church to please my grandmother. And so we had a Wednesday night Bible study, and... I already had been reading the Bible. I'd read it cover to cover and read a lot of other books, of course. I'm, I read a lot of books. And uh, the message that night had to do with John's baptism of the Lord. And 
in in my mind I could see <coughs> excuse me my friend being under that muddy water the Jordan's a very muddy river and I was ashamed and that's very important because that's also in my book and by the way everything on that website is free there's no charge just go and get what you have copy it do what you want to do it doesn't matter I'll try to make it prettier in the weeks ahead, but right now everything's free. So I was ashamed. And I asked the people, I said, well, can you baptize me? Well, it was a Wednesday night. They don't normally do baptisms on a Wednesday night. And a couple of the fellows that had been teasing me over the months that I'd been attending that particular church, older guys like myself, and they said, well, the baptis- baptismal isn't heated. And it ran through my mind then that I was so ashamed. I so wanted to be baptized that I thought for a moment that if I had to be baptized in molten metal, that it was that important. So they baptized me in the cold water, <laughs> which was fine. And I don't think anything particular happened. I don't believe that I suddenly became mysteriously uh, connected to, to whatever. But the next morning, something did happen. I, uh, I was coming back from Atlanta, and as you might imagine, after being baptized for the first time in, in my late 20s, I think it was, um, I got to praying. And I thought, my gosh, maybe, maybe if I pray, this prayer will be answered because I just got baptized. <laughs> you know, this is the doctrine that they tell us. And, and so I did. And I won't go into all the things that I talked about and prayed about, but I do know that that very day I discovered some things that I'd never seen before. I didn't really pay much attention to things. But suddenly, how can I explain it? It's very difficult to explain. Things that I had not seen before became more vivid to me. They, they were revealed to me, I guess. And the upshot of it all is that I've been fully persuaded that with all our effort, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many seminars we attend, how many church socials we attend and how many sermons we listen to or books that we read that if the God in whom we move and live and have our being does not reveal these things to us, we remain in the darkness. And Paul writes in Colossians that the mystery of the gospel is hidden from the ages. You can look it up yourself. It's there. And then he tells us what it is. He says, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I don't think that is Jesus. I think that is, and I think the Bible bears me out, that that is this spirit that is Jesus, if I can say that that way that begins to talk to us and reveal things to us and counsel us and warn us and, and uh, get us on the straighter path. While 
before these things happened to me, I had always been taught that it was up to me. Well, you, you have to please God. You have to do this. You have to do that. And that'll make God happy. Then you get to go to heaven, whatever heaven is. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you know. I don't think anybody knows. But we have this tradition. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminded, but, like, the kingdom of heaven is within. Within. Right. And Jesus, who is speaking for God, he says that himself. He said, what the Father says, I say. What the, what the Father does, I do. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if we would open the door and let, the, let him, I say it that way, let that spirit that, that is what people love about Jesus, let that spirit in. We discover that the ego is our enemy that, let's put it the way Paul says it, he says, where is boasting? <laughs> In the King James, exactly, it says, where is boasting? It's altogether excluded. What do we have to boast about? If it's God in me, if it's God in you that's doing this work, well, what do I have to boast about? All I can do is be thankful. And so the more I was led into this, the more I realized that it has a lot to do with how we say things, how we allow our words to convey thoughts. Because when we are speaking to other people, we're also hearing what we say. Uh, I'll give you another example. I think it's in Thessalonians. It said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, it doesn't say renew your mind. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So who's going to renew my mind? Can I renew my mind? I don't think so. This is all in this little book. And I remembered when, when I was a little boy, my mother would send me to the store to get milk and eggs and bread and whatever, mayonnaise. And so off I'd go. Little kid, I was probably five or six, and there was a little hometown grocery store about two blocks away. Just a little lady had the front of her house fixed up for groceries. And I'd always forget something. And later in life, I got to thinking about, we talk about reminding. I have to remind myself. And uh, I think deeply about things. You know, people think I'm peculiar. But anyway, I don't mind. But how can I remind myself? If you think about it, you have to begin to realize that if, if in order to remember the mayonnaise, something has to be going on that's beyond my control. I can't remind myself. We like to think we can. We, we, we're very prideful beings. We like to think that we're in control and that we're, you know, we're just, able to do all these things and make God happy and then God will reward us. That is not what the gospel is about. I think one of my favorite things is, is right at the very beginning of the book in John 17, verse 21, Jesus says that all may be one, that all may be one. And I think about that, what an opportunity that would be if we could live in a world where none of us in truth thought we were better than anybody else. 
if all of us in truth realized that but for the grace of God, we'd all be strung out on heroin. We might be murderers, or we might be face down in a pile of mud with a bullet in the back of our head now, instead of where we are here, enjoying what some of us are enjoying. And and maybe because of that, if if this mystery of the gospel were to multiply and God were to reveal this that's being revealed to millions and millions and millions, the way it states in the Old Testament, he says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's, that's in the Bible that people read the Bible. They don't understand what it says because there's this missing key. And the key is what Paul was led to understand that I don't think Peter understood until the rooster crowed. And even then, I don't think he understood. Maybe we can come back to that if you remind me. But Paul says, I live, yet nevertheless, not I. But Christ lives in me. And I live by the faith of him who died for me. That's in your Bible. Well, is he talking about Paul's faith? Not if you read it as a lawyer. If you read it as a lawyer, the, the, the English language and the structures and the grammar that, that my third grade teacher beat into my little tiny rebellious head, we have to understand that he's saying it's the faith of Christ. That's the faith. If you don't have faith, you have to pray for faith. It's a gift. It's not something you can manufacture. You can't go to seminars and, and, and get faith. You can't buy it at Walmart. They don't have any. I mean, they may, they may have some faith, but they don't have it in the store. They don't, you can't carry it to the checkout counter and go home with it. So all of these things that I was reading in the Bible for the first time began to make sense in a new way to me that they weren't true because they were in the Bible, but they were in the Bible because they were true. And that probably sets some people's teeth on edge when I say things like that. And, mm because that's they've lived all their lives believing I, I remember many baptist people would say uh god said it i believe it that settles it but what's happened in my life and in my wife's life and the wife of a few friends and people that we know that this mystery is being revealed that it truly is god in us pleasing himself that's something that I really believe makes a difference. Because if it is, if, if, if God is the playwright and God is the actor and God is the audience and, and God is, is manifesting himself in all of these ways, well, hallelujah. Now we have a new way of understanding this in whom we move and live and have our being as Paul, I say that again because that's what Paul said to the men of Athens who were confused about what God is. I mean, some of them worship stone statues. So Paul came along and he, he tried to explain to them. It's in the book of Acts, if people want to look it up in the Bible. He said that the God in whom we move and live and have our being. So there's no question about whether God is. The problem with people that don't understand that, that God is real is they have been taught that God is has a long white beard and lives on a cloud. And nobody can believe that. It's easy not to believe that. 
But when we realize that, that God is that ineffable, un understandable fully, partially understood, but never fully understood mystery in which we move and live and have our being that the astronomers are now thinking that the, they, they think the universe ends at a certain place. You know, when I was young, the universe is only so big. Now it's getting bigger and according to them, but I believe it goes on forever, and I don't believe it's anything that anybody's ever going to understand. And it's all God, and God is in us. And we have this opportunity to make choices. And I was listening to a, a preacher from Tampa last night that I like very much, Rodney Howard Brown. I've met him, actually, and had chats with him about things. And he was talking about these things, about how we have a choice. And the way I like to think about it is, here we go. We, we have somebody they've got, we can, eat, we can eat some dirt, or we can have a strawberry shortcake. I choose strawberry shortcake every time I can. <laughs> so the more that God reveals to me what is good for me, then how do I get any credit for choosing that when it is the good thing? You know, love never fails. So the mystery of the gospel being that we can either decide that, that we are in charge and that it's up to us to please God, or we can get on our hands and knees 24 hours a day if, if, God, if God calls us to do this and beg God to Fill me with this understanding and have your way with me. Even in the Baptist church, they used to say, there's a song. They say, break me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Well, why not? And if, if, we, all, if we all could begin to see our, quote, religion that way and be able to accept and agree and live together without one being over another, without, you know, if Jesus says, call no man father, what can that mean? If the Bible's true, then he said that, call no man father. You have a father. And your father, when we use the word heaven, the way I use the word heaven is heaven is that envelope totality the reality in which we move and live our being that's that is heaven and here we are and we have this opportunity today to 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 beg god please don't let me be the way i used to be please don't let me keep making the mistakes i used to make please talk to me guide me if you have to knock me down do whatever you have to do but please enjoy me use me and what's happened in my life is everything's so much better now. Life Amazing. is really better. Amazing. So beautiful. This is what happened to me 20 years ago. I was diagnosed with a stage four lymphoma. It, I got knocked down. And it's from that exact prayer, God, use me. Because I was, I was out of my uh, element, out of my purpose. And so I got knocked down three years near death, you know, major ordeal. And uh, this is what I came out with it, that, that this exact prayer, day after day, God, 
how are you going to use me? What, what am I here for that you have intended? And this is where the people are at. I've already heard it twice from clients today, literally begging and crying. How are you going to use me? So this is very, very deep, beautiful truth. Amazing, amazing. I want to back up just slightly. People have been coming on. If they're not familiar with you, this is Dr. Frederick Graves. <laughs> he is more known in the law field. That's actually the next question I'd love to talk about, just how the law and the Bible are together in your in your consciousness, how you put that all together. And so many people are familiar with, with you from the law, but you don't know that he's also a, a beautiful writer with amazing books. I had put this up before, but I'll show you again. If you go to his website, these are all for free. There's no charge. Uh, I haven't been through all of the books, only is still working on the first one. I did hear your, your wonderful audio talk. That was excellent. And um, so where the, the two big questions before we get into some of the content of the gospel mystery, uh, where do you see us right now in this time? It's been, it's been historic. It's been unprecedented. I actually have a whole bunch of new people in my world right now because of the truckers convoy that got going in Canada. I've been following it. I've been interviewing people about it. Uh, it fascinatingly finding them all in this, uh, in, in the Christian faith or many of them in the Christian faith following mm -hmm. along, uh, the people have risen. There's there's a whole lot of evidence at this stage of the game that this movement was engineered, right, to usurp the people. But guess what? The people rose and usurped the engineering. And it's mm -hmm. largely due to the Christian faith. So how do you how do you put these times? I'm asking my questions backwards, but how do you put these times together with the Bible? Where do you see us right now in the prophecies? I see us at a crossroads. I let, let me preface it with this: there's there's some people would say the ends justify the means. My understanding of the God in whom we move and live and have our being that orders the universe and decides the destiny of men and nations according to what we do and is that the ends do not justify the means i fully agree but, but we have had a rupture in legal education at the law school level remember i started in in law school in 1982 i guess and i could see reading these old cases uh, from the 18th century going up into the early 19th century, they all made perfect sense. And they all agreed with this idea that the ends don't justify the means. Do we have to always do what's right? We have to always take into account the rights of individuals vis-a-vis -vis the so-called rights of the collective or the corporations or the bank or the insurance companies. And then later on, after World War One, things began to change. When, and you have to spend. I don't don't in, don't invite anybody to go through this this torture, but but I spent three years reading law books, and I read every every assignment, and I could see over the years that there was a shift in the thinking. And then we got to World War One, and I th I think people kind of went numb because of the horrors of world war one then they had this dream that we're going to have a this 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 international organization is going to 
pr preserve the peace. And then that did not work. And then at the end of World War II, you know, the if whether it's true or not, some people say it isn't true, but I tend to believe it is, that, you know, thousands of people were annihilated in the blink of an eye. And that was not what America was all about. We don't murder women and children, although we, you know, the massacre at Wounded Knee certainly murdered a lot of Indian women and children who were human beings. But anyway, it's like we've gotten farther and farther away from these these wonderful principles that were the soul and spirit of what America was because of, I think in primarily because of the shift in legal education and then into the tw late 20th century. Now we have the idea, well, we can't talk about God. And I feel in part, this is the church has brought this on us because the churches have not been teaching us what God really is, that God is this, this logos that orders the universe, the grand architect of the universe that decides the destiny of men and nations that's un unavoidable, ineluctable, um, cannot be changed. And it was easy to, to, to think that the word God and the word religion are the same thing, and they're not at all religion is a practice of of could be a, you can have religion about anything so using the word religion in the constitution and using that stupidly i think well, i don't think it i know it to be stupid we we took god out of the law now what well if god's not there then where is truth and what is truth and probably in the 60s and 70s, a lot of people were saying, well, truth whatever you want it to be. Well, that's some dangerous stuff. Yeah. And that's seeped into legal education. And the consequence is increasingly, and we're seeing this, that people don't trust this, what I call jurisprudence, American jurisprudence, the original principles of what it was supposed to be. And so instead of getting involved and trying to make it better and trying to bring this, this concept of, of God who will beat up on us if we do wrong sooner or later, we, we will suffer if, we don't, if, if God doesn't lead us to get in line with things. Then that's when we see these things that are happening. And here, so then we come to the point is, what will the people do? The only power that the people have, aside from their puny vote, excuse me, but it's a puny thing, uh, and it's manipulated so completely by the media and money, but you have something else, and you have the courts, and that's your power. You have that power individually, you sitting there right now. You have the ability to go to court now and you have the ability to access the law in a way that was never before possible in the history of the world. See, a farmer in West Virginia in 1943, the day I was born, he had no way of knowing what the law was. Today, pick up his iPhone, and in 10 minutes, and find out what the law is. And then with my course, 
he can know how to use the courts, how to file motions, how to draft pleadings and the forms and everything are there. So we don't want to get on, go about the course. That's not important. But what is important is for people to begin to realize that we have an opportunity to come together with the gospel mystery and be friends and be brothers and sisters instead of one above another and how much money do you have and how big is your house and how many cars do you own and all of that nonsense and really begin to love each other and by by continually being thankful that God has didn't let me become a a doper you know i'm not let he did let me do all kinds of things and i but for the grace of god there's none of us can lay claim to being what we are because of we're so wonderful we all started out knowing nothing we came out of the womb i forget what the word is it's a latin term and it, it, a blank slate tabula rasa is that what it is? That's yeah. what I think of if he's saying tabula rasa rasa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it is something like that. Mm -hmm. And and so we've got this this opportunity for the first time in the history of the world, which happens to be coinciding with this this other side of the of the balance, where we have people who are who are leading us into a world that has no God. Uh, I would encourage people to go and get on the internet and look for the humanist manifesto. There are at least three. The first one was, was pretty lame. It, it was, I'd say tame maybe. And it talked about a few things, but basically when, by the time you get to the second one came out years later, and then recently now they have a humanist manifesto number three. And the goal of, of humanism is a godless secular society. Well, what is, the, what is the corollary of that? If we're going to have a godless secular society, then where do we, what must our government decide is our rights, what we call rights? Where do our rights come from? Jefferson and his, his friends, they had the idea, well, why don't we create a government where the people have rights that belong to them? They're inherent rights. They're, they're inalienable rights, and they're given to them from God, not from the White House, not from Congress, not from the governor, not from the EEOC. So if you don't have God and you don't believe in God, you can't take, try to take God out of the law schools, then you get what you get, and that's where we are. And I don't think I'm answering your question, but... I think I'm shining some light into the darkness about it because we we're we are at a crossroads. Either the people take advantage of what the internet is offering them, which is the power to use the courts without a lawyer for the first time in the history of the world. Either we do that and go to court, not with this nonsense that you that you see on these these different groups telegram groups and there's people in there who are just nuttier than fruitcakes they get all these crazy ideas but when you when you when you find out how simple it is to do it the right way heads turn you can force judges to do things they don't want to do but you can make them do it if it is what the law requires mm -hmm. and if you can get the facts 
So the facts and the law, and you have a result. But if we don't do it very quickly, this secularization of America is going to undermine the, this system of rules that give you these rights to go to court. And when those rules begin to be eviscerated by the elitists at Harvard and other places who are godless and proud of it, and if we allow them to have their way, we're going to lose everything. And, and we'll be just like so many movies that we've seen of how the world is going to be in, in 50 years. And that's a pretty horrible thing to pass down to our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. And um, circling back a little bit to the means to an end, to me, like when I hear that now, I really saw through it for myself. I went, that, that is in, in itself satanic. Now, I don't like to just point my finger and know oh, that satanic, but, it, but it, that's the definition. It's like, you know, let's, let's harm a whole bunch of people and children, and then we'll save ourselves from the boogeyman virus and that this means to an end yes we're causing devastation economically yes we're um you know taking children out of their natural context of being raised and poisoning them and that's all worth it because of this actually fictitious result that that uh, we're projecting will happen but no there's no guarantee because we're in completely unprecedented times so i just wanted to say that and uh, we've been looking at the Bible. We're in the midst right now, just began a, a course called Primal Power uh, with Jacqueline Milne. I love you too to connect, by the way. She spent her whole life studying the Bible, not participating in religion after extricating herself from a cult, which was very difficult to do, and, and just went straight into the Bible looking for patterns. I am also a pattern hunter. I've done it through archetypes. That's actually how I saved my life from cancer, seeing exactly what are the predictable ways that I'm feeling, thinking, and behaving that God can shine light on and, and, and I can come clean about it and, and be redeemed in that way. And so, you know, historically speaking, the, the, the Bible obviously has so many different layers and levels of meaning and also the history, uh, you know, the falls of the empires that are that are cyclically happening, the the near genocide of of humanity in the process. And so do you do you are you uh, feeling like there's any particular place that we're finding ourselves in that at this time? I think I think there's a danger in thinking that this is something new. If we go back, uh, if, if you actually read the Bible, I mean, not you, but I'm sure you have. But if, if other people would just read this Bible that they claim to believe in, they'll find out that there were these fellows who were, who were the high priests of Israel. And uh, here comes this carpenter, just a carpenter going around telling people that, you know, you can talk to God directly. You don't have to go to these priests over here. God's there. He loves you. And uh, and so there was this these people they they actually set out to murder him. Well, here they are standing and and remember you know put, make a mirror make this today too. So here are these judges deciding they're going to break the law of Israel to murder this person. And in the King James, Caiaphas is quoted as saying. It is here. Here you go. It is better for one man to perish than the entire nation. Well, there you have it. Mm -hmm. So they broke the law. That's also on. In, in I don't know if it's on the, my personal website or not. If it isn't, I'll put it there. The trial of Jesus. 
which was written by a friend who was a judge who recently passed away, and uh, Judge Fogel. But the idea was that it was okay to break the law to save the law. And that kind of thinking is, we can't have that. <laughs> that we can't allow that to, pers- to go on, and, and it's happening today, and it's been happening, and I've been reading about it in the case law. Actually, law was more sane, I think, in the early 19th century than it is now. But we've always had these problems. If you read Charles Dickens' books, Bleak House is one, where the probate lawyers just drained an estate that a young man had been, I hate to, I don't want to be a spoiler alert here, but but this young man was, was all excited. He wanted to marry this young lady, and he was waiting for the estate to be settled. The whole book, he waits for the estate to be settled while the lawyers just just eviscerate it, take all the money. If you read Hard Times, uh, another book by Charles Dickens, the same thing happens. Uh, crooked lawyers, it's nothing new. But now, I keep trying to get people to, to understand it. For the first time in the history of the world, the people themselves have an opportunity to take the country back from the lawyers and from the insurance companies and from Walmart and Amazon. I mean, let Amazon do what it does, but don't let Amazon influence legislation that's going to decide how your children are supposed to grow up. And that's what we're facing because, you see, I'm not, because the American people have not yet been made aware and, and accepted that, hey, I've got power. I love one day a, a truck driver called me, and I have a lot of respect for truck drivers. They're wonderful people. I've met them. You know, they, they dress peculiarly, but, but most of them are very friendly and anxious to help you when you're on the road. We do a lot of traveling in our motor home. And, and he called me, and he, he, said, he said, I don't know how to thank you. <laughs> I said, okay, all right, fine. Okay, how can I help you? And he, he said, I haven't seen my children. It was, I don't know, it was three or four years. I haven't been able to see my children in three or four years. Now I have full custody. And it's all because of your course. Mm. I don't, I'm not trying to sell the course. I'm trying to say is that because he learned how to go to court, how to force these people to accept evidence, how to force these people to answer questions under oath, he got his kids back. Right. Amazing. Amazing. But, so but good. Anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it. And when we have terrible things happening, if we have this opportunity, please, whatever you can do, get people to understand that the only way we're going to get away from this tendency of the these crazy people at law schools is that we're going to have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and learn how to control the courts and take this country back from the lawyers and the insurance companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I love it. After our last interview, I got inspired, I think you know, to create a Canadian court procedure study group. And oh, so we, yeah, and we've been going through your course and meeting on Wednesdays. And uh, actually, Alphonse Fagiolo is joining us tonight. Maybe one time we could also guest you in and uh, ask some of our specific questions and, uh, you know, strategizing. Great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just put one little note out to my people 300 people signed up. Hmm. 
right? Just this flood. I, get, I, I also had some uh, controversy around that, but I won't worry about it right now. Uh, there was a really good question coming up in the chat here. I just didn't want to go too far okay. uh, past it. And uh, so there was two. One, one is saying, do you think that the court uh, situation has changed since two years ago, March 13 or whatever it was when this whole pandemic began? Do you think that things have changed in the courts? For example, in Canada, uh, this seems to be verified that they have now created, and, and this will actually be be um, uh, give weight to your perspective, they have now created a new track of Canadian courts that if somebody mentions anything what they're labeling to be pseudo-legal, for example, I man, I woman, all of the, you know, what, uh, what Alphonse refers to as patriot mythology, trying to go through the birth certificate and all this um, apparent fraud that's there and everything. I'm really trying to wrap my head around it. So do you think things have changed? That's, that's here in Canada. They created a track to get those people out of the, the court system, right? To give them their own little place to put them away. Well, I have to say this. There are a lot of crazy people that have crazy ideas, and their anger is blinding them. To I, I, I tell people this way. You know, water is cheaper than oil. You know, I have to pay 5 $6 a quart for oil to put in my vehicle. It'd be a whole lot cheaper to put water in a crankcase. Of course, my engine would blow up. But it'd be cheaper. And if I'm stupid enough to try to save money and put water in my crankcase, it's not going to work. If you go to court and you, and you say, I had one person actually wrote to me and said that he was a son of God. Hmm. He was, I'm a son of God. So whatever. Good luck to you. Um, people that think that they can, they can copyright their name. And because my name is copyrighted, you can't use my name on that traffic ticket. Well, we, we don't need those people in the courts, jamming up the courts, because there are people who came home probably today in Canada and the United States, their children were gone. Or there was a paper nailed to the door. You have to be gone by next week. Uh, horrible things are happening, and there are people who really need the courts that are being jammed with people who I'm all in favor of people having access to the law and having access to the courts. I'm not against that. But when people abuse that, I, I get a little steamed because there's, there's, there's no need for it. And that, that patriot mythology that Alphonse and I are disgusted with is causing problems for other people. And these people kind of have a religion and think that, well, you know, I have my rights and I'm going to enforce my rights no matter who it hurts. I can't agree with, with that, Beth. I just can't. And so if the courts are doing that, then it's probably something that's been brought on by people who want to come in and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a living man. We're all living. If you're not living, how did you write that paper? You Obviously, you're a living person. So why do that other than to broadcast to everybody that, that you're going to try to use some of this silliness instead of learning how to win in court? and do it correctly. A lot of people died. I mentioned this over and over. A lot of people died so that we could have due process, so that we could go to court and be heard and call witnesses and make a record. And to abuse that and disrespect that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad if, if, if people go there that don't know what they're doing, 
But the thing I want to keep telling people is there's no excuse for not knowing how to do it now. 50 years ago, you could make that excuse, but you can't make that excuse anymore. You can mm -hmm. learn how to do this in a weekend. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not too much to ask. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, by the way, if anybody out there wants to join the Canadian Court Procedure Study Group, then you can visit my website, bethmartins.com. The ticker at the bottom of the screen is showing you that. And there is a tab where you can sign up to uh, to be part of that. And tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central Time, we're going to be on our regular Zoom meeting. And uh, so I wanted to ask you a question. If I don't know if you're familiar with Cal Washington, so it'd be very interesting to hear you and Cal have a talk. And one of the things that he talks about, and it, you know, he's a Christian and faith-based, all of his, uh, his uh, work comes out of that. He would, of course, have a very different story <clears throat> on some of the things you were just saying, but he talks about an awareness of courts that are unseen, that are, you know, on high, the highest courts. Do you have any sense of that, like from your studies in the Bible or from all of your laws? Do, do, you, do you sense that like God is a just God, God upholds justice? Um, God can't just go in and um, knock Satan out of the, the court because that's not just. So do you have any no, but, sense of this? No, but, we the, but we the people can. If we don't like what's going on, let's fix it. And we can't do it with guns. This isn't 1776. You can't take a squirrel gun and take on the Red Army coming. To, the Redcoats are coming and they're all lined up, you know pretty much easy to shoot people that are all lined up marching at you and you're hiding behind trees. You can't do that anymore. And you, your vote is, is not going to make the world a better place. No matter who you get elected is not, that's not the answer. The answer is public legal education and for the, the public to learn how to do this thing and to honor what's been purchased for them by terrible, terrible sacrifices so that we do have this opportunity to go to court, to be heard, to, to make a record, to call witnesses, to force people to answer questions under oath, produce documents. All of that belongs to each and every one of us here and in Canada. And either we, either we take that opportunity or the elitists will further lead us into the secular society where within 30 years there'll be no hope. There'll be no justice at all for anyone mm -hmm, mm -hmm. except the rich, mm -hmm. the rich and powerful. They'll get justice. Mm -hmm. Truck drivers, nah, truck drivers won't have any justice, nor their children. So it's up to the people. Will the people do this? Will they accept that opportunity? I don't think of it as a responsibility. It's an opportunity to, to do something that will actually make a difference as mm -hmm. opposed to just complaining about it and, you know, saying, well, this isn't right and that isn't right. Someone ought to do something. Yeah, well, I've heard that. I get tired of hearing that. Someone ought to do something. Yeah, someone ought to do something. You, mm -hmm. you people, mm -hmm. do something. Mm -hmm. But don't so, just complain about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm being pressed in the in the in the chat, and not not a super polite okay. way either. But right. I still I still think it's fair to to just see what is the difference now in the court system. Right. We have we have corruption at a scale that is absolutely off the charts. Our perpetrators are running scared. Some say they're in retreat now after what's been happening in the past week, starting here in Canada, a massive uprising. I'm not even sure to what extent you're hearing about it, of course, because the media is completely burying this. So how is it changing 
the courts, you know, whether that's in Canada, the U.S., it is uh, absolutely a worldwide movement and and uh, question. Do you think there's anything that's changed, or is it something that you're maybe not privy to? I think the internet is is promoting a lot of misinformation that I feel fully persuaded is coming from Iran, China, Russia. But or with other the enemies courts, of our system. No, I'm the, talking about okay. that indirectly, I suppose. But if the people themselves are rising up with nonsense ideas and challenging the very system that is the only system that can help them, then who's at fault? You right, see, so, it's both, yes. you, can't, you can't just say it's, you know, well, a judge made a bad decision, so now we're going to burn the courthouse down. We've got to get away from that. Okay. So a question maybe we'll, we'll steer away from it. I'll, I did my best there <laughs> okay. to, to, right. uh, for the person that's badgering me in, <laughs> in the chat there. And uh, so let's, let's talk about something that I read in your, in your book, the, um, the gospel mystery. And let's see if I can even just pull up and it maybe, maybe I'll just talk about it that uh, it's a story of Job. This is uh, going into one of my favorite subjects. And the reason that, you know, so many evils can be uh, manifesting in the world inside ourselves in a very hidden context, something that we don't see about ourselves, only others see about us. And that's why we're two or three are gathered. That's, you know, that's why that's powerful to have witness. This is something, you know, legal stuff aside. And by the way, Dr. Graves has agreed to be on the Choose Freedom Law Summit as well. So we will have a chance to go much deeper into law process in, in that interview. And I want to steer back to the, the Bible and the work that you've done here and the story of Job that is, uh, is very misunderstood. Yes. You want to dive in with that? Sure. Well, if, if, if you read the story and you have a predilection that the story is about Job's patience, because that's what you were told in Sunday school, and you read it with that in your mind, then you may say, wow, he was really was patient. Look at all that he went through, and he, he still praised God, and what a great guy he was. Uh, but if you read it without that, and just read it as a lawyer, like you're reading a pleading to try to see what's this, what's this story really all about, at the end, Job says something that would be wonderful if everybody on the planet would, would come to this realization in the next 13 seconds. He said, Behold, I have said things too wonderful for me, things I did not know. He, he, he then said, I abhor myself. And he, he, he repented because he was ashamed. That's what happened to me. I was made ashamed. That's what happened to Peter. You know, Jesus Jesus said, uh, do you love me? At at the end of John. And Peter said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then he said, but Peter, do you love me? Peter said, well, of course I do. You know, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And so while while they were deliberating on how they were going to get rid of Jesus, because he was upsetting all the priests, uh, Peter was in a courtyard at night, and they said, "Well, you knew him." No, I, I don't. I don't know who he was. 
So he denied him three times, and then the rooster crowed. And Peter was ashamed. And then God begins to work. When we stand in our own righteousness, there's no room for God. We're on the throne. So we, But we can't shame ourselves. People say, well, you must repent. Well, repentance is not an act of the will, no matter what you've heard in church. And your Bible tells you what it is. It says godly sorrow works repentance. Godly sorrow is shame. I'm, I'm truly ashamed of things that I've done. And the more that God shows me that, the more the door is open. And that's what happened to Job at the very end. And he said, do you, do you restrain the waters? Do you make the eagle soar? And then according to the story, whoever wrote the story, we don't know. It's the oldest book in the Bible, supposedly 4,000 years before Jesus. He said, behold, I have said things too wonderful. In other words, to put it in the vernacular, he'd been shooting off his mouth about how righteous he was. You know, I will hold to my righteousness. Yeah, it was his righteousness. And elsewhere in the Bible, we know that our righteousness is filthy rags. But the mystery of the gospel is hidden from the ages, and I believe it's still hidden too much because people are being taught by people who go to seminary, and seminary doesn't, doesn't know the mystery either. And so they come out of seminary, and they're, just, they're trying to, to organize a, uh, a society, to try to educate a society based on this idea of, of a Christian uh, way of living. And, of course, the idea of having a God and, and running society by priesthoods is, goes back as far as history itself. You know, the priests of Israel, I'm, I'm sorry, of, e of Egypt, would come out and pronounce that denial is going to rise in three days, and, and everybody thought, wow, they, they're the priests. We've got to do what they say. But when we find out that this religion that this Jesus person brings to us in a new way is something altogether different, it's not the same. It's not the same as the Jewish religion. It's not the same as the Koran. It's not the same as the Shintos. They all see the same God. But they don't have this element where, as jo what happened to Job, where we begin to see ourselves. And like Pogo says, we've seen the enemy. It's us. <laughs> We're the enemy. And to allow God to work in our lives, to, to live in us and guide us and speak to us and correct us and to beg God, don't please don't let me do that. Then we can be one. Then we can have a society, a unity of, of all men and women. Peace, we can have peace on earth. But as long as one person thinks that he's smarter than the rest of us or wiser or more righteous, we'll never have peace. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah, that's that's a big lesson because uh, in the work that I do, I help people to deprogram, right, that there's uh, unconscious hidden parts of ourself that ended up there for one reason or another. And mm -hmm. it's very, 
it's simple in a way. It's not easy because it's the thing that we don't want to experience about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, it, they, they're afraid of this ultimate shame and uh, and the pain of awakening because it is painful. <clears throat> it just is. Growing is, you know, you got to break out of who you are to to uh, grow into a, a better version of yourself, if you can frame it that way. And so I'm curious about where you know, in inside yourself, you're finding this, um, uh, the impetus to do the work. What it, what is the, uh, like what, what you say in terms of, you know, the work in, in your book and, and what that work is and to get it these, these deep hidden layers that are causing so much conflict in the world. You know, you look at, um, lots of Christians are uprising, but they're also warring against each other. And that's not new. <laughs> Historically, that's how things have fallen apart. And, um, uh, so what, what is the work in, in your estimate that, that you're doing here at the spiritual level? <laughs> what is the work that, that, that I do? I, I don't is, do any what work. Is, what is the work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Get where you're going. Well, with that. there's a voice that speaks to me. Um, it's a still small voice. I will start to say something and bite my tongue. Used to be an old expression. Somebody would say something, you say, bite your tongue. <laughs> I sometimes bite my tongue. And then I stop and I think, oh, I don't want to say that. I shouldn't say that. Where does that come from? I don't know. Begging and pleading God, being brought to the point of understanding that I I have thought things too wonderful for me. I I have done things that, that I'm ashamed of. Um, and I just want to have a brotherhood and a sisterhood with other people who are aware that, you know, we're not here to, uh, to, to perform some kind of feat. We're here to be, to be instruments. And, you know, I love that old, there's an old poem about the, there's a song, maybe it's a poem about the master's hand, I think it is, about an old violin at the pawn shop. And it's just an old violin. And then a man comes in who is a maestro, and he picks up this old violin. And, and, he, and he plays this beautiful music on this old violin. I, I'm not... You know, this isn't about me. I'm not bragging about it. I hope people don't think that I think I'm better than they are because I don't. But I do think that I have, I am being blessed. And this old violin is being played more frequently by the master's hand. And life gets better. Whereas, you know, I'm 78 years old. I've done a lot of things where the master's hand had nothing to do with it. It was me running away from the master's hand. I, I recommend another poem. You can Google this. It's called The Hound of Heaven. The Hound of Heaven. It's, it's a little difficult. The English is old English. But uh, it, it, it's a poem. And the man is saying, I, I, I ran. I ran and I ran and I ran. I hid from him. He chased me. Chased me and he wouldn't stop. He chased me. 
And I feel like that's what God has been doing. There it is. Yep. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. And under running laughter, up visted hopes I sped and shot precipitated adown titanic glooms of chasm fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after. But with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat more instant than the feet. All things betray thee who betrayest me. The wonderful and poem. <laughs> yeah, the, and what we do that. More there, so, yeah, it has yeah, to be I'll about get, me. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. Mm. I want it now, I want it my way, I want it. Yeah, so Dr. Graves, can you still hear me? You might Every want to day. turn your... Dr. And Graves, you I'll might... I'll make it happen. <clears throat> and in the meantime... Can you hear me, by the way, Dr. Graves? Can you hear me? We are having some audio trouble. I want to let God the guys know in the chat. Is seeking to play <clears throat> us. Okay, it looks like you can't hear me. Dr. Graves, can you hear me? Hello, hello? I can now, yes. Okay, perfect. I can now. We're having okay. some connection trouble, so you might want to turn your camera off as much as I love you having your camera on, but that well, will I'd save bandwidth. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> we'll see, that will save bandwidth just so, so okay. that the sound is clear. Yeah, we've sure. been cutting in and out. I just wanted to let people know you actually didn't miss anything. I just started to read the poem and then and then Dr. Graves was reading the poem, just so don't, you don't, don't feel sad somebody was crying <laughs> about that. But um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful poem that has that exact, you know, this, this is what we unconsciously do run from god because we are so uncomfortable inside of ourself when god when we look in the mirror of god and we see ourselves all of it right but the the beauty is that god doesn't want us to beat ourselves up or be in any uh greater pain in in my work it's about it is about going through that pain and seeing that it's the energy that you need and and that clarity can be there when you sit in front of god and, and, and until that point when you can when you can sit in front of god without shame without pain then you know there's just things to be released so that's that's how i would uh, how i would frame it could we could I read the last part of that poem? It's of course. Poem. Of course. Okay. Now of that long pursuit comes on at hand the brute. That voice is round me like a bursting sea. And is thy earth so marred, shattered in shard on shard, lo, all things fly thee? 
for thou flyest me, strange, piteous, futile thing. Like it's like he would like he was saying to Job, you see, strange, piteous, futile thing. Wherefore should any set thee love apart, seeing none but I makes much of naught? And human love needs humans meriting. How hast thou merited of all man's clotted clay the dingiest clot? Alack, thou knowest not how little worthy of any love thou art. Whom wilt thou find to love ennoble thee, save me, save only me? All which I took from thee I did but take, not for thy harms, but just that thou mightest seek it in my arms. All which my child's mistake fancies I has lost, I have stored for thee at home. Rise, clasp my hand, and come. Halts by me that footfall. Is my gloom, after all, shade of his hand, outstretched caressingly? Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. Thou dravest love from thee, who dravest me. And so there we are. And and that is the mystery of the gospel again. It's, once this begins to be revealed to us, it, it ends up being revealed at every turn. That, that we do live in whatever this is that we live in, that loves us, that gives us life, that gives us opportunities to love to be kind, to, to, to try to do what's right and fail, but get up and try again because we have that strength within us that is, our, that is given to us. We don't, we don't make it up ourselves. We aren't strong of ourselves. That's one of the great errors, or great sad errors of life is when we think that it's all about my strength, only strength we ever had. You know, God can strike us down in in a moment, in a heartbeat, <laughs> or the lack of the heartbeat, <laughs> and now we're gone. Yes. Mm-hmm. So who mm-hmm. are we? Exactly. You Indeed. know what is the greatness of our love? Our love is nothing. Clouds and sunlight. And, and but but we I, I have the, there's another book I don't know if it's up there I call it it's called when soul sees self and that's the beginning and that's what happened to Job he saw himself and and he didn't like what he saw. But all, mm-hmm. all those all those passages before the end of the book, I think it's chapter 40, when God finally breaks through and, and he finally sees himself. <clears throat> Dr. Graves, can you hear me? You are cutting in and out with your audio, so I wonder. 
Yeah, I think we're we're our our connection is uh, is not great. It's it's uh, people are saying it's been buffering and and you're cutting in and out. I'm, okay. I'm hearing about only about half of what you're saying, so I'm not sure if we're getting a sign that uh, is Dr. Graves on Wi-Fi. <laughs> Somebody's asking, yeah, still buffering. So it's it's not quite working out, sadly. But we are an hour and seven min- minutes into it. Oh, I see you've left me a message here, and. Um, I I wonder if just for the sake of the connection, it might be better to leave it for here. We do have the privilege of having you on uh, once again for the Choose Freedom Law Summit. So this isn't the last time. Uh, I think it, it, Matthew Belair, by the way, is my co-host for the Choose Freedom Summit. And uh, he's going to be in Ottawa. He's taking his whole family down there. They're bringing food for for the people and the truckers that are there holding, holding out until restrictions get lifted. And so um, it might be a little bit of a different schedule than we had originally planned. But um, <clears throat> I would love to continue this conversation. I definitely want to recommend your your book that people can go to frederickgraves.com. Now, let me uh, stop this and I'm going to show you the book itself. Um, so let me see. Here we go. And I definitely recommend this. This is the uh, the gospel mystery. And uh, here are the, I haven't, I haven't got all the way through. It was a, a 2 and 3 a.m. read last night. I, can, I actually got stuck on a lot of these beautiful Bible verses that are just amazing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Actually, you can't see it yet. Let's put it up. There we go. Let me change that. Darn it. <laughs> Technical. Oh, I hope, can, I hope you guys can see that. And uh, yeah, so we have this tre- treasure in earthen vessels. So the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So I think that kind of sums up what Dr. Graves was was just speaking about. I'm uh, pretty sad to to lose the, the audio at this stage of the game. Uh, Dr. Graves, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. You can hear me? Hear, okay. Yes, okay. We're- we're doing well now. Okay, excellent. Yeah, the sound seems to be much better. So we can continue now. And uh, if our connection holds up, great. And if it if it drops, then maybe we can reschedule and come back. Um, so we've talked about uh, a number of the things that just are here in the table of contents in the book. And I was curious about, about um, what your take on this. I haven't read yet, but on justification. Well, we're, we can't be justified. Um. Uh, what what do I have that's not been given? Uh, a man named Kingsley in the Parliament in England uh, was quoted as saying that one time: "We owe it all to our God." What ha- what do we have that has not been given? The great pianist. What how? Yes, sure, he practiced, but his ability to do that was given to him. A f- basketball player. You know, the worst thing that could happen to a basketball player is for him to think that the talent is his and not to be thankful for it. Because I really believe that if God wills, that talent can be taken from us when, you know, there's a, when they talk about the fear of God being the beginning of wisdom, this is what Solomon said. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't mean that God's going to beat up on me for no reason whatsoever, but if, if, if I continue to believe that this is all about me and, and I'm a wonderful person and, you know, look at me, look what I can do, uh, 
that can be taken away in a moment. And because we have that tendency, we miss out on the ability to have this fellowship that we could have as human beings on this planet. We don't have to have war. We, don't, we really don't have to have war. You know, I'm that song, war, what's it good for? Absolutely nothing. But we have it primarily because people act out of their own power, out of their own will, for their own sake, out of self-interest, and lose sight of the fact that we, all of us, are only what God is allowing us to be. And that makes me think, you know, I, I, every time that comes to my thought, I need to be thankful. But even, even being thankful, the ability to be thankful is a gift. The, 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 the ability to remember is, is a gift. Everything that we do is a gift. And we're not owed anything. And when, when, we, can, when we can all come to that, when, I'm sorry, when we are all brought to that, when we pray to God, bring us all to that awareness that we are only what you're making us. Please, you know, let me be an old violin. Play me. Enjoy me. Celebrate yourself through me. I'm, Paul says, I must decrease that he may increase. And yet we don't hear this in the churches, but there it is. I must decrease that he must increase. So can I decrease myself? No. Can I commit spiritual suicide? No. Can God come into my life and 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 play me like an instrument? Yes. If I beg God to do it, if I beg God, please, <laughs> make music with me. And, and things happen that can't happen otherwise because our self gets in the way. And our self is our enemy. That's what the gospel mystery, I believe, is not only do I believe it's all about, I believe that the Bible backs up everything that I've said to you today. And I'll just take a quick look here at the back. There are 456 citations to the Bible. And it's been saying this all that time. Well, anyway, Beth, I'm, I, I just talk too much. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. I, I love it. And um, yeah, that that idea of justification because we're we're dealing in a such a strange arena right now. You know, the the wrongs in the world are escalating. We've lots of signs. It's been it's been a drip, but nonetheless, things are you know, the the curve is is going way up. <clears throat> you know, the fall of the empire has always been marked by this very unjustified time where where more and more people's morals are not intact anymore. They don't have a basis or a foundation for that. That God has been removed from education, even from the church in many ways, as you were saying. And so without that moral compass that is, is connected to this mirror of God and, and the humility, as Slick Dissident just said, to, that comes of it, then there's there's very little basis for um you know, doing anything of, of value that could be done through you as you're talking, you know, not not out of your own will against the will of the divine, but only in alignment with divine will. And then, and then this justification that we are made right. And, and uh, the, the, the enemy you just said is, is yourself, right? So that, that's very 
uh, interesting as well. Like, you know, t- traditionally the enemy would be named uh, Satan or the accuser, the resistor, all of those. So, so where, do, how do you see that element? Um, do you see God, by the way, as testing us on this path? Or is that something I've heard people argue about this? Is that something that's more in the realm of this accuser, resistor side? Is that the self in your, in your mind? I think like Rodney Howard Brown was saying last night, we, we have choices to make. And we can either tell people, you have a responsibility to make a choice. It's up to you to make a choice. But in reality, the choice, like we just read from the poem, the choice is let God be God. God's going to be God whether whether you like it or not. What's going to happen is going to happen whether you like it or not. But to to invite this ineffable, loving spirit to indwell us and correct us and clean us. A passage comes in where I, re- I remember Jesus says that he, he's, he's a winnowing fan and he's, he's, in the, he's, he's blowing the chaff away from the wheat. And here we are being told by too many preachers, you must blow the chaff away from your wheat. No, no, God will blow the chaff away if we invite God to blow the chaff away. And when we get to the point where we're truly ashamed of what we've been and who we will continue to be, but for the grace of God, and we beg God, please blow the chaff away. Take, take, take over my life. Give me wisdom. Give me peace. Give me, give me the power to be a blessing to other people instead of, you know, I'll be a blessing to other people, God, then you can reward me when I die. That is, is it, that is the way that seemeth right unto a man, the ends thereof are death. That is a direct quote from the Bible. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, the ends thereof are death. The idea that I have to do good so I can go to heaven. <laughs> I don't want to take that risk. I don't want to live like that. I want God to run my life and you know, I get in the way too much. I make so many mistakes. I made mistakes today, I'm sure. I was probably rude to people today. I probably had bad feelings towards somebody when I was driving the car. But if if I beg God and I have fellowship with other people, like you say, iron, you know, iron sharpens iron. We're three or more together. And we help each other to understand that, hey, I'm just like you. You're just like me. We're all in this together. Let's love each other because that's all we've got. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yeah, how beautiful. Uh, I'm interested to ask you about the section in your book uh, that you, you've referred to as the salt. Can you oh. speak on that? Okay, sure. Let me I'll grab the book here and turn mm-hmm. to that page if I can mm-hmm. find it. Here, I'm going to open oh, it. Oh, it's toward well. the end, 132. Mm-hmm. Or thereabouts. Bear with me just a second. Here we no go. No worries. Yeah, Jesus said, I've called you to be salt, preserving the, my world from corruption. Salt is used to preserve food. But if you have no saltiness, how will corruption be prevented? And and I mentioned here that commercial churches do what they can to reach the lost as individuals, but they do nothing to be salt in the world. Okay. Uh, because they're set up as 501c3 corporations. And when they do that, if you if you look at the... I've, I've set up churches... Uh, as, a, as a lawyer, 
there's a paper they sign under oath saying they will not use the assets of the organization to promote the candidacy of individuals to public office or to influence legislation. Well, uh, so I love this. There's a passage in Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul says that he and Barnabas have a right to be supported for the work we do, sharing the gospel with you people as we travel around the world and get beat up and stung by, <laughs> bitten by snakes and all sorts of things. But, it, but, but, but we've heard preachers talk about that, you know, that it thou shalt unmuzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn and the worker is worthy of his wage. But they stop and don't read the rest of that particular verse where Paul goes on and says, you won't do this to me lest it hinder the gospel. So f f when you set up a 501c3, you've already said that. And then the idea of that that if you put $100 in the donation plate and you, you think you're going to save $100, that, that's not how it works. If anybody, anybody does anything about bookkeeping and how a 1040 is set up, above the line, below the line, and all of that. But what we're... We want people to understand that that the gospel should be free. It really should be free. Paul did not get paid. He made tents. Is that what you wanted me to talk to you about from that chapter? Oh, well, I, I, I love this um, opening from, from what Jesus says. I, <clears throat> I have called you to be salt, preserving, yeah. preserving my world from corruption. Salt is used to preserve food. But if you have no saltiness, how will corruption be prevented? So. Right. If your salt loses its savor, what will there be to preserve the world? So if, if the churches lose their savor and they don't get involved in government, if they don't get involved in getting people elected to office, if they don't get involved in helping young people go to law school, you know, because because they took a, an oath with a 501c3 application not to do that, well, my gosh. So there's something missing, isn't there? Something missing in the world. People need to be told about the gospel, and they're, and they're not being told. And so Churches what is can that? organize as trusts instead of corporations. They can do more as trusts than they can do as corporations limited by IRS restrictions and the necessity of filing detailed corporate reports of their activities. And there's a, a sample trust outline in here that, that can work. Toss some salt in state and local government. Toss some salt in the courts. Toss some salt in the town councils, county commissions, school boards. Mm -hmm. Stop the decline of national morality by promoting the candidacy of wiser men and women to public office. Get outside the walls of your cloistered sanctuaries. Go into all the world, Jesus commands us. Be salt. And what is the salt? What is that symbolic of? Someone just letting, actually said, mm, go ahead. Letting God make us salt, you see. And the salt is, like, what is that? It's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the world, moving through the world, doing that work that so needs to be done without having any impediment between us and the work that needs to be done. 
You know, there are children who are going to crawl under the bed tonight to get away from their drunken father. There are women that are going to be beaten, thrown out in the, in the cold. There are all kinds of horrible things going on in the world that, that don't need to be going on. We're being led by a priesthood of judges and, and, and appellate court justices who are completely out of control with their secular morality. And we, we, need, we need the churches to get out of this 501c3 thing and get involved in the world and make the world a better place and encourage people to get involved and, and, and get people elected to public office and, and get, in, get involved in legislation. But they've taken this oath that they won't do that. So mm -hmm. it can be a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the whole thing of what we're talking about today is will the people take this opportunity that they never had in the history of the world because of the Internet and the ability to learn these things very quickly and make a difference? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Um, great comment here also from Thomas saying that stop giving these entities our attention and concentrate on our own power. I'm all for that. A hundred percent, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, beautiful. Um, so I'm just going to stop the show so I don't make you guys dizzy while I scroll. And there was one more thing that I wanted to discuss on this table of contents. See how fast I can get there. And so the rock, <laughs> that was right, right on the heels of, of the salt. And do you want to talk about what the symbol of the rock is? I know oh, that's people, really hear this, mm -hmm, people hear this that's a really lot and I'd love to break it down to the, the simplest first and, and then expand it if that's possible. Okay. Well, the Bible says that he, he where it says that Jesus said to, to Peter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father in heaven has revealed it within you, and on this I will build my church. And many believe he meant to build his church on Peter, a mere man. He meant he would build his church on the mystery, the word that was instilled in Peter, the mystery. That's the rock. The gospel itself is the rock. And, and people that do word searches on these things, they say that, that one is a little rock and one is a great big huge rock like Gibraltar. Peter learned the truth by direct revelation from God. Peter is not the truth, nor is he the church found, church's foundation. Within minutes after laying his church's foundation, he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're offensive to me, for you desire not the things of God, but those of men. Clearly, that man is not the foundation of Christ's church, though millions of people believe he is. The word revealed to Peter who Jesus is, the word who is, I am, and speaks within us today. That's the rock. The word who sows the seed of faith within us when we hear his still small voice within, as Peter did that day when the rooster crowed. Faith comes by hearing the word within, and the word is not the Bible. The word is God himself. The spirit of God, love and peace and joy and, and honor and nobility and hope 
that's that's who God is. That's the nature of of that in which we move and live and have our being. And we're just old violins. Hmm. In my case, dusty old violins. <laughs> Amazing. So, so beautiful. I love that the themes are all tying together really, really nicely. And uh, I do, I do recommend you go and check out the Dr. Uh, pardon me, frederickgraves.com. Put that link back up here. So you can go and download these books and talks and there's music. <laughs> it was so, it was so uh, beautiful to, to just play little snippets of different pieces and see different parts of your, your soul and your expression coming through. That was lovely. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, throughout my life, God has expressed in different ways. I, I have been very into music. I actually have four CDs out there. I even forget to tell people about oh. them. And uh, I still cut my fingernails for my guitar hand, as you can see. But uh, it's oh. my creative energy has gone in a lot of different directions, mostly due to the climate that we're in in this world right now. What's needed feels like uh, a lot of go time creating what people need uh, in these days. And so we do have the the pleasure of hosting you again for Choose Freedom Law Summit. If you didn't hear me before, I'm going to have to reschedule just because Matt Beller, my co-host, is is um, in Ottawa, and so we'll we'll make a different arrangement for that if it's okay with you. But we'll be fine. Okay, great, great. So we'll yeah. we'll be able to go deeper into all of the law stuff. So I'm, I'm sitting on my hands a little bit with that stuff, and I but I knew we wanted to focus on the gospel today. And uh, so thank you very much for, for coming on. It's been lovely for anyone. Is there anything else that you'd love to or you'd like to share with us or leave people with a thought of anything that maybe hasn't been said already? I don't think so. Yeah. I could probably talk for hours, but I'd just be saying the same thing in different ways. <laughs> there you go, which is how truth happens. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been lovely. absolutely enjoy this conversation. Uh, You want to make sure that people knew that you can get Dr. Graves' course jurisdictionary. Many people are making use of it. Now I've been through not not the whole entire thing, but enough of it to see that it's actually within my reach for where I'm at, only having started looking at the law and not even in some good directions until recently. And uh, the course is extremely easy to understand. It's it's a lot, but there's nothing that I can't understand. So if you haven't yet done this, have you uh, you know per, per, uh, personally, I prefer to prepare for things before they happen, before I'm in trouble. Yes. And this is why I'm doing it. This is you know I did I don't want to do any of this, but the writing's on the wall. I actually had uh, a really good friend say to me the other day, "Well, I'm just not interested in the law. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you got that covered." And I I thought in my head, you know, there's just something wrong about the thinking there. She is a, um, a health coach, beautiful, amazing health coach. In fact, I'll shout out Sherry Rothwell if you haven't uh, if you need a health coach, she'd be a good one. And I said, "You know, Sherry, it'd be just like someone coming to say to you that, you know, I'm just not interested in my health." And, and, and then you say, well, how's that going for you? Isn't it the same? Yeah. Right. It's one of those basics. We should all learn in kindergarten. And we don't, I think, for, for a reason that all of these tools and resources are there for us. 
And uh, Dr. Grace is very generous. He's given me a link to his course. And some people have been getting that course through me and it's been helping me to run these groups that I do all volunteer. So that, thank you so much for your generosity to, to first of all, provide the link and then to those who have used it. It is in the show notes below. If you haven't got it and you're, and you're interested in that, maybe you want to join us in the, in the uh, Canadian Court Procedure Study Group. You're most welcome to that. There's a link at my website, bethmartins.com. Just hit the tab, sign up with your email, and you'll get all the details to, to how to join us tonight, actually, at 8.30 p.m. CST. And I want to make sure and tell people about the Primal Power God's Law course. This is something, Dr. Graves, I don't know if you have the time or the bandwidth, but um, I'd be happy to guest you in. We've already put it by donation because it has content from the Bible in it. It's not something that you can sell. Uh, so something, you know, if people can't afford even a small donation, then they can come for free. That's no problem whatsoever. There are more than 200 people already signed up for this. There was huge Good. interest. I know. Amazing. That That's the, the biggest course I've ever run. Jacqueline Milne has all of the knowledge from the Bible. We're threading together with archetypes that help us to really see what the basis, the foundation for all of this is that we've been talking about. What keeps you going? Where is the faith? Being, you know, how are you tempted to go away from faith and and give in to the things that are being promised to us as, as just one example? How to feel the power that you have through God, because that is what we need right now. So you're still most most welcome. There's four more live classes. Everything has been been uh, recorded, and there's a very methodical way to go step by step through a process to learn how to take the programming out from inside yourself, so you can just see clearly. And uh, it's a system of of redeeming and bringing that spirit into alignment with with its source. So there is a link below to Primal Power. If you're interested, you're most welcome to join us. And uh, definitely keep an eye out for Dr. Graves' interview on the Choose Freedom Law Summit for when Matt is back from from uh, Ottawa. Wonderful. Yeah, and thank you so much, Dr. Graves. My pleasure. I uh, your spirit is, is uh, a beautiful and, and generous, and all of your wisdom of years has uh, that you're that you're uh, sharing it so so widely right now is is just beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. It's 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 not I, but Christ lives in me. So thank God for that. Thank and we God get for rid that. of the, get rid of the rest of the old man. That would that would make it better, wouldn't it? <laughs> There you go. Well, we need our elders in, in a big way right now. Thanks to everyone in the chat who has come. I always appreciate your presence. Thank you. Uh, somebody, by the way, apologized. and uh, It's absolutely no problem. I just want you to know I'll, I'll text you back, but it's absolutely no problem. I don't mean to be, uh, I've, I've had some attacks and so I'm a little bit, I might be a little bit on guard, but uh, I've taken lots of attacks in my life. Never, never has killed me yet. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone, have a beautiful rest of your day. I will see you back here shortly. I don't know exactly when, but uh, love you lots. And thanks again, Dr. Graves. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Bye for now.